Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. What is going on, everybody? Recording this on April 1st. So, uh... April Fools, but opening day is going on right now. I see the Dodgers are losing, the Yankees lost, so all is good in the world. Uh, not really. I'm a sneaky, I'm a Giants fan, but I actually kind of like a lot of the dudes on the Dodgers, and I've always kind of adapted, uh, adopted the Yankees, be Aaron Judge, Valley guy, Fresno State, root for Aaron Judge. Uh, but other than that, we got a lot of draft talk because there's a lot going on, and I, I've placed some calls this week. And I'm just going to empty the notebook a little bit from things I heard in the league, shape some of my own thoughts around it, and just some interesting angles leading up here on the draft. I also, you know, pulled out the old uh, the clicker, watched a little film, a.k.a. YouTube, and uh, just to watch a couple of the top guys. Uh, you know, I, I still have in my back pocket. You know, it's like, uh, it's like Tiger Woods. You know, if he hadn't hurt his legs, he, he'll be able to shoot par forever. You know, I, I can still evaluate a player or two. Uh, Some thoughts and some things I saw from a couple owners that really stood out to me. One's Robert Kraft, and uh, one is John Mara. And and I'll dive into those two things also after some draft thoughts. So if you could, leave a review, Apple iTunes. I know many of you have, and I greatly appreciate that. I'm going to tip my cap to you. Thank you. If you're listening on Colin's feed, listen on, uh, please subscribe to my feed. Three and Out Podcast, Seven from Colin. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, at the end of the podcast, what we do here, for those of you new... We do a Middlecoff mailbag, and it's at John Middlecoff is the Instagram account. DMs wide open. Slide up in my DMs. Ask me whatever you want. Uh, you know, preferably football, sports questions, but, you know, life advice, I, I can do that. If we're just talking whatever, I don't care. Ask me any question you want. 
So let's start with just some draft thoughts. One thing I heard that was very unique, and you have to be very careful, because every five, ten years, generations change. What kids grew up on is dramatically different. At one point in time, when I was, I was born in 1984. So when I entered high school, it was 2000. Now, in my high school, ninth graders, we stayed at junior high. So 7th, 8th, and ninth grade was in junior high. I'm sure a lot of people listening, you go to high school in ninth grade. But either way, in that 7th, 8th, ninth grade, the late 90s, the internet, like everyone listening that is similar to my age or older, it was dial-up internet. We lived in the internet age literally when the fucking thing started and we learned how to use it. WW dot, right? The, the, it was just the World Wide Web. Now, kids, if you were entering the draft and you're 20 years old, you wouldn't even know what dial-up internet is. PlayStation and Nintendo 64 were a big deal because all we had when I was, you know, probably in regular, I guess what would be, elementary school, was regular Nintendo. Duck Hunt, uh, Mario Brothers, I mean, the games were terrible. Nowadays, one thing I was told this week, and it makes sense, Forever, I mean the history of sports and the history of life, it was always a big deal, but definitely in sports when you're worried about the draft, one thing that would come up is the guy a drug guy. And for a long time it meant weed. Now I think that we're pretty numb to that. Weed is, uh, I mean it's way less harmful than alcohol. But regardless what you think about weed, really a lot of it had to do with harder core drugs. Right? Was the guy into cocaine. One thing I've heard just talking to people you don't run into that many quote-unquote drug guys. There aren't many dr- drug culture, and I was at actually a funeral or a gathering for, for a close friend that had died, and I was talking with someone, and their, their take was like the drug culture goes up and down. And right now, you know what the culture is in? What, what the number one thing that they hear when guys are scouting? Not like, you know, the guy's into cocaine. That does not come up anymore. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be prospects who have dabbled in drugs. It's a video game culture going right now. Every kid loves video games. And people are trying to decipher, like, is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? And I'll never forget watching a documentary on Tony Hawk and thinking, at one point in time, like probably in the 80s, definitely even the early 90s, like skateboarding was looked down upon. Snowboarding, I remember, as a snow skier, was like, what are you guys doing? Well, eventually, do you know what happens? Generations grow up on snowboarding, on skateboarding, and then it became mainstream. And people started making millions of dollars off it. Well, what happened with video games? In the 90s, my generation, video games started getting good. Especially in the early 2000s. And then it's only morphed and morphed and morphed and morphed. Now, owners of professional franchises and venture capitalists invest in leagues that are professional gamers. That is going to be massive in this country. At one point in time, everything in this world we make fun of, eventually, if enough people like it, especially in this country where capitalism runs king, we make money off it. So, like, video games are no longer viewed like it's a cool thing. Plus, the, uh, the graphics on the games are incredible. But it's something that's talked about a lot in draft rooms right now. Not as much like, hella dudes are doing cocaine. No, it's like, dudes are just want to go home and game. <laughs> like, the, that's a thing. And when I was in the NFL, we, I remember one year we were going to hire an intern. And we were like, obviously, you Google the guy. And I remember he would tweet a lot. And this is like 2010 or 11. And he would like tweet about his lunch and tweet about what he was doing for dinner. And we were like, God, this is weird. 
that's crazy, telling everyone what you're doing. Well, I'd say five or six years later, not even a decade later where I'm sitting right now, but just five years later, that's pretty normal. Like, pretty much everybody tells everything they're doing at some point in time on social media. Like, it's not, it's, we don't look down upon it. So I, I do think the kids coming out now are just different. And it doesn't mean good or bad. Obviously, you'd rather have a guy playing video games than doing drugs, right? And when I say drugs, I don't include marijuana anymore. I'm including harder core drugs, which I know there have been players that have gone really high in the last three or four years that are Pro Bowl-level guys that have that surrounding them. From what I've heard now, like the main thing is like the number one thing that comes up is like, this guy's a gamer. That's a really, really big thing in the scouting community. The other thing I heard is this year, and we've talked a lot about it on this podcast, is the NFL made a universal rule that you were not allowed to go into schools. The way school calls get their information, and when I was at Fresno State, I played a big role in this. I wasn't the guy, but I worked for the guy, and we'd help out the scouts. You have a pro liaison at every school. So you go into Alabama, you go into USC, you go into any school, Cal Poly, right, UCF, LSU, it does not matter. There is an individual that is a point person that you meet with, and he gives you the information. Let's say you have John Middlecoff, first-round defensive lineman. He just starts telling you the information, right? Two-parent household, has a serious girlfriend, you know, 3.5 GPA, really good kid, We, you know, five-star recruit, we were lucky to get him, he's been awesome since, or it could be opposite, right? One-parent household, rough upbringing, didn't come from much, he's a little rough around the edges, he has some anger issues, him and his teammates kind of butt heads sometimes, whatever it is. Like, just think about every human you've ever met. Like, everyone has their own story. Well, the one thing I've heard is this year, they're doing it over Zoom. So you call into Alabama, right? And whoever their guy is, all 32 teams are represented in the call. Well, on that call, in 2020, 21, what would you be nervous about if you're on the Alabama side? Well, I'm not going to badmouth the guy. I don't know who's filming this. I don't want to have this thing go viral. I don't want to hurt our program. So every single person is getting the cookie-cutter report, at least throughout the fall. They get the cookie-cutter report. And nothing you could do, because you were not allowed to show up at the program. There were, people weren't even breaking the rules. So every single scout got the cookie-cutter report. Well, here's a reality in scouting. It's no different than any of the industries you guys are working in. There are certain people that are way better than most. And a large percentage of scouts just kind of are average. Just like the large percentage of salespeople are average. You go to any industry, the majority of the working class, whether it's the National Football League, whether it's insurance sales, whether it's Google or Facebook, are going to be middle of the road. And then there's going to be the top percentage, whether that's 20, whether that's 15, whatever, that are going to go above and beyond. And go that, like, for the last three months, they've been spending time calling coaches, who it's uncomfortable because they're chasing them down. They're trying to get all this information. The guy, you know, is just going, whether he's going on recruiting calls, whatever it is, it's tedious process. But there are going to be a large percentage of teams that just get the basic information. Oh, this guy's good. Well, actually, there are many red flags. But if you just have a scout in a certain region that just check the boxes, because every one of those Zoom calls with any of these schools are going to give you enough information to say you did your job. And then obviously the tape, you can put your evaluation. But as a scout, really the most important part of your evaluation, especially for the top guys, 
Now, you're getting on the table for the third, fourth, fifth round players is important. But for the first and second round guys, let's face it, you have no pull, right? If you're like middle management at some VC firm, you're not going to be a major part of their $150 million purchases. But maybe like a $5 million purchase, they'll lean on you, right? But that $150 million purchase and the equivalent of a first round pick in the NFL, they are going to you know, rely on your character background. And most of this stuff is going to be cookie cutter PC because the people from the schools were afraid to say over the internet, and I don't blame them when they don't know what's being filmed or what, they just know they have to do it, that it's going to be pretty by the book. And not everyone's by the book. And there's going to be information negatively impacting players. I'm not, I don't even know a specific example of this, but as a scout told me this week, you wait for a couple weeks, there are going to be some major misses and it's going to be because of personality. It's going to be because of character, not necessarily because of talent. And I'm like, yeah, because just like, you know, the, the scouts that went above and beyond, they're like, you know, we were originally told this, but actually the more digging I did, I, I don't know if we should touch this guy. And that gets the conversation started. And that's going to be a big thing to me over this, that has happened really over the last two months. I think scouts are going to play a much larger role than ever before in separating from team to team by just the, the background information and the character information that is going to be so different from you know the guys that just go through the motions and do everything they can to just fill out a box and the guys that go above and beyond. And the guys that are, it's uncomfortable, right? You're having to call coaches that are on the road that don't necessarily want to talk to you, that it's time out of their day with their family, that you got to do it and, and you got to dig deep. The other thing I've, been, I've been thinking about this, and I've talked to a couple people that said, listen, and I watched probably seven of Zach Wilson's games this fall, and he was, he was fucking awesome. He was sweet. Honestly, he kind of has, I was telling a buddy in the league a couple weeks ago, or within the last couple weeks, like, you know, his game is a little Aaron Rodgers-y. I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Rodgers, but the way he kind of rolls around and he flips it from different arm angles, it's just really cool. But as an executive told me, it's like, well... His team was, you know, it's not like he was playing with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. He was playing against several guys that look like me and you. So it's like, yeah, he was by far the best player on the field every time he stepped on the field. But it's a pretty big step up. Like, is it going to be that seamless of a transition? The other thing, he's a lifetime Utah-BYU guy. I mean, he was, I think he wanted to go to Utah, ended up at BYU. But that's a pretty big transition to New York City. And is Joe Douglas going to stake his career? Because basically the two things he would stake his career on, one, he hired one of them, Robert Sala, first-time head coach, who the first two years in the Niners' tenure wasn't that pretty. Now, I think highly of Robert Sala, Sherman's of the world, Kyle Shanahan's of the world. They love the guy. He's really smart. Every single person I know around the Niners raves about the guy. But he's a defensive coach in an offensive league. Uh, They're going to have a potential rookie quarterback who's – to my knowledge, lived in Utah his entire life. Then he's going to go to New York City with the pressure of just, I don't know, the ultimate pressure cooker in America. That's a lot. You know, that, that's, a, that's a huge, huge... You'd have to be pretty confident to stake your career. Now, again, he's rich. Joe Douglas signed a six-year contract that was basically $6 million a year. So over $35 million, that's generational wealth. Joe Douglas hit the jackpot, and he was making a ton of money with the Eagles. But he's not doing this. Joe Douglas didn't get into this thing for the money. 
He got in this thing a long time ago when he was working with Daniel Jeremiah in the mid-2000s for Ozzie Newsom. They were making nothing. It was because he's a football guy. And as a football guy, part of being a football guy is you want to win. Like, that's in this business, in football, like in venture capitalism, how you get judged is making money. In the stock market, how you get judged, how much, what percent are you earning every year, right? That, that's how you get judged in those businesses. In the restaurant business, obviously, if you're able to stay open for more than a year, that's successful. But two, like, how much do people like your stuff? How packed is your restaurant on a daily basis? In football, you get judged on wins and losses. Nothing else matters. And Joe Douglas wants to win. And the way you win in the NFL is hire a good coach, have a good quarterback. Like, are we sure this guy's better than Sam Darnold? Are, are we sure Zach Wilson's a better prospect than Justin Fields? Because I'm not necessarily. And you take a guy to the Northeast, like, listen, I spent a large percentage of my life out West. The two years I spent in Philly were eye-opening. One, they're just a very, I loved it. They're very passionate. The thing I hated the most was the cold. But it's intense. Like, people are kind of assholes, which I kind of liked. You know, people are just, it's very black and white. There's not much fluff. It, we're very fake out here in California. We like, we love the poor. And then it's like pass measures that don't allow them to uh, move into our communities. But we tweet a big game. In, in Philly, they just tell it like it is. The Just the overall culture. And it can be shocking to people from the West Coast who are used to more fluffy. You know, it's just faker. It's just, it's it's an easier landing spot, right? It's it's not an easy landing spot in Philly, in Boston, in New York. It eats people alive in all the major sports. And I just think that, like, that's a pretty big stretch. The one thing I would say about Justin Fields is, like, that guy's been in a pressure cooker. Georgia, Ohio State, five-star, he would know. I'd say it'd be a pretty big stretch for Trey Lance, too. So I, I, I think we're all assuming that Zach Wilson's just going to be the number two guy, and he probably will be. But, God, I, I think we're talking about it like it's a can't miss, and I just don't necessarily see it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses 
Get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Uh, another thing that always bothers me, and it's a rinse, watch, wash, repeat cycle, is anonymous scouts say things. And I've been on both sides. Unless you're the GM or the head coach, you are not allowed in these organizations to go on record. You would never do an interview on record. You just It's not allowed. Belichick doesn't even let Josh McDaniels talk to the media, let alone his scouts. So when you see these anonymous scouts, and typically then social media freaks, it's a lot of media members. The media members love getting their opinions and putting it out there. They know exactly what they're doing. And I also think sometimes, like, the scouts are just telling you their opinions. It doesn't mean they're right or wrong. Like I said earlier, a large percentage of the scouts don't even know what they're doing. But if a guy's doing a job and you get him to give you an opinion and then you print it or put it on Twitter or whatever, like, that's the guy's opinion. Like, that's... If we if if every single fan could go into these draft rooms, I think they would be very uncomfortable some of the things said. And one thing that often comes up this time of year is race stuff. I, I worked in football multiple years in Division One college, three years in the NFL. I've never heard anything race-related come up. Where I think people would get uncomfortable is like the way we talk about the players and whether they mentally can handle places. It doesn't mean we're right or wrong when we make these decisions or that these decisions are made every year in all these buildings. But that's the way it's discussed. Why? Because you're going to invest millions of dollars, especially in the high-end guys. Can the guy handle it? Can the guy physically handle it? The amount of dedication that you you know, ask your, your scouting department to do on background information is basically a detective work, finding out about the human being. And that's part of the deal. And it doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but if someone tells you, you know, a guy's kind of lazy, and then some the someone at the athletic, you you know, you're friends with some reporter, and you tell the guy the, they're they're lazy, 
And then it comes out and everyone's like, oh, this is all bullshit. No, that's what the guy was told. Now, and sometimes part of the deal is too, if I'm the Carolina Panthers and I want Trey Lance or Justin Fields, do you know what I would leak 24-7, 365? How bad of a guy they are. Like all these, all this stuff is fake too. So it's like some of this information, who cares? It doesn't mean anything. The, the fans freak out, but it's like the teams have the information. So whether it's real or whether it's fake, it's just irrelevant. It just does not matter. Now, when there's information that people did not have, like the moment the draft night of Laramie Tunzel with the bong, the irony too is like he was smoking the bong. Who gives a shit? I, I, I've had seven edibles this week. It's Thursday. Like, who cares? Shows you how antiquated we were in our thinking three or four years. He plummeted like a rock. Now, it's the best thing that ever happened to Miami. They traded him for whatever. It turns out four first-rounders and a second-rounder. But it's like the reason that was such a big deal. Now, granted, the picture was, you know, as someone that hasn't hit a bong, and I don't even smoke. I only take edibles. My 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 vocal cords are my, uh, are my moneymaker. So I just uh, I can't afford to ever ruin those. And I haven't had messed with a bong since high school. But the bong in the mask, it was a crazy look. Like, I'm not trying to act like it didn't look crazy. It freaked everybody out, except the Dolphins who took them. And then ultimately, you know, like I said, one of the best things that ever happened to the franchise. But this notion, and the media always does it. They always bash the anonymous scouts. Put your name on it. They can't. And it's like, why does an anonymous GM, who technically could, why would he? This is all a game. It's all market manipulation. Did you idiots follow the draft? Um, Jamar Chase, watch some of him. He's pretty spectacular. I mean, he is a fantastic just playmaker. An unreal, I, I would say, the contested catches, the ball skills, it's fantastic. But as someone pointed out to me, the thing you have to be careful about, and he used an example, Devin Funches, but I think it's happened forever, is that guys go to the combine where it's electronically timed. There is a laser. So the combine times are very, very accurate. So if you run a 4-6 of the combine, you tend to be a 4-6 guy. A lot of times these guys go to their schools, right, wherever, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, wherever you're playing at, and run the 40, and you might run a 4-6 of the combine, and then you go to the 40 and run a 4-7. The funchest example I heard was like, he ran a 4-7 at the combine, then he went to Michigan and ran like a 4-4-5. What was he? Is he a 4-4-5 guy or is he a 4-7 guy? Well, we've all watched his career. He's a 4-7 guy. And hey, there's nothing wrong with being a 4-7 guy. So was Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's fine. Devontae Adams ran like a 4-6. He's fine. Being, being Not being a 4-4 guy does not determine your success or failure rate. But... Like, a lot of these times, because there is no combine this year, just people I've talked to thought were a little inflated. And you're seeing a lot of guys run four threes and four fours. Like, Jamar Chase watching him, Jamar Chase is probably a four five zero guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Jamar Chase is not going to kick ass in the NFL because he runs like Odell Beckham or Tyreek Hill. That's not his game. But I think it's going to skew a lot of these draft picks because typically we have hard information. Now I think a lot of teams aren't going to be that comfortable with the time. It's kind of an open-ended thing. It's like I heard it, uh, Devin Smith, or excuse me, Devontae Smith's pro day, right? Technically, Alabama did too, but a reason for that was because they had so many players that they kind of had to like, because teams are only allowed to send three representatives. 
And a lot of times at Pro Days, if I'm interested in Patrick Sertain or Najee Harris, I'm not just sending my GM, I'm sending my running back coach, I'm sending my corner coach, whatever players they have. And then they put them through an individual workout. Well, when I only get three people that I can send, I can't send all my position coaches. So Alabama, the most pro-friendly team in the country, Phil Savage always told me this, who now works for Joe Douglas with the Jets, ran the Senior Bowl forever, obviously called Alabama games as buddies with Nick Saban, said Alabama's the most team, you know, pro-friendly operation in the league by a mile. If you need to watch a player at 4 in the morning, someone will open the doors for you. So they're forward-thinking, they're pro-NFL, and they did that for them. But Devontae Smith the other day wouldn't weigh in. And part of the reason to not weigh in is a lot like a slow guy doesn't want to run. Because he doesn't want to weigh in and let team see 167. Even though his entire career of kicking the shit out of everyone he's played with, he's been a skinny guy. But the moment that gets a verified weight on the, on the sticker or in the iPad for all these coaches, GMs, and owners to see, it'll be a negative. So it's just a guess. We all know he's skinny, but he refused to get on the, on the scale. And then a thing that I heard a lot of scouts, do, and they just older scouts do this, they were like, why aren't you working out? Why aren't you getting on the scale trying to peer pressure them? It's like, hey, morons, this guy has millions of dollars on the line. If I was him, I wouldn't get on the scale either because it's not changing anything. But the moment he gets on the scale and it's under 170, he's going to fall four or five spots. And you know what that equals? Millions of dollars. This is a business equation. So I don't blame any of these guys like Jamar Chase. He technically didn't even have to work out. If he would not have worked out, I wouldn't crush him. He did. He had a backwards hat on. I watched some of the pro day. He looks unreal. He's going to be pretty damn good. The other example I've heard, and I've been thinking a lot with Mac Jones, if Mac Jones played at Iowa or Mac Jones played at Washington, he'd be a third-round pick. Now, just because Mac Jones went in the third round or Mac Jones goes in the top 10, that doesn't change. Where you start, right, where you're drafted is irrelevant to your career. Tom Brady was drafted 199. Richard Sherman was drafted in the fifth round. You know, uh, Sam Darnold was drafted third, and he's about to be on another team. Like, it, it does not, you know... I would say, cement how your career is going to go. It does change you financially the first couple years of your career. But if he went in the third round, like he would be a backup probably and have to compete to ever start. The moment he's drafted in the top 10, he will be an instant starter. That's the way the league works. That's why I think Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded during the draft. They are not going to trade three first-rounders. Technically, it's two, but pick 12, two other first-rounders, and a third-round pick to draft a guy third and keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Makes no sense. The best part of having a rookie quarterback is playing him on the rookie contract. Mahomes is such an outlier because Alex Smith. The Chiefs had been consistently making the playoffs with Alex Smith, and he wasn't missing games. Jimmy misses 10 games a season. If you can't get a second rounder for him now, you got to ship him out because at any moment he can get hurt again and his value diminishes to nothing. But my point is with Mac Jones... I think the hype, he benefits a lot from Alabama, which should speak, but he's at Alabama for a reason. Nick Saban wanted him, and then when he was their backup, and then when Tua went down, he was awesome. I think he's one of the more challenging guys ever because physically, he is nowhere near in the world as the other two guys that he's in the pod with, right? If Trevor Lawrence is going one, Zach Wilson is going two, but like I said, he shouldn't be in cement, but he is. The other three guys are Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Because if I put Justin Fields or Trey Lance at Alabama with those physical skills, it'd be a no-brainer. They'd be a top-five pick. 
The thing with Mac Jones is like, well, he's a pocket quarterback. His comp is more like Jared Goff or Matt Ryan. Like, those are best-case scenarios. There are a lot of pocket quarterbacks that end up sucking, right? Brock Osweiler. Uh, I mean, we can think of a million. Josh Rosen, right? I'm just thinking of a couple of these off the top of my head. Deshaun Kaiser's one, too. Like, a lot of, now, those guys, some of those were mid-second-round picks. But you know what I'm saying. Like, just because you're a pocket quarterback, we love to say the floor's a lot higher, but that doesn't guarantee a miss. So I just think, close your eyes, imagine Mac Jones coming from Iowa. He'd go pick 100. He comes from Alabama. He goes pick five. You know, there, there have been some comments over this offseason by, by an older gentleman that goes by the name of Robert Kraft, some call him Bob, the owner of the New England Patriots. That has really stood out to me. And I, listen, I, I think at this point in time, We've all met someone, whether family, whether close friends, that have gotten a divorce. And the day the papers are filed, if you ever talk to your friend who's getting a divorce, they would never say, we just had, we had this major argument, it all ended yesterday. Or, you know, it was a really bad week and we just decided to get a divorce. No. It's usually a slow bleed, right? You talk to the person like, yeah, we... We just haven't really liked each other for the last year. You know, we didn't even sleep together the last six months. You know, honestly, I couldn't stand her, or she couldn't stand me, or whatever. But it's a, it's a slow bleed. It's a slow process that leads to the final result, the divorce. But it doesn't just happen over a week, or two weeks, or even a month. It tip, Unless you're like talking about uh, Britney Spears or Kardashian, like famous people. But for most of us normal people in society takes time, whether that's six months, whether that's a year, whether that's five years, right? I, I, I've heard stories of people that have got divorced in their 70s that it was the best thing they ever did. Waited 49 years too long. But the point is you got to look for signs. And Robert Kraft said something the moment that they signed all those free agents. It was two weeks ago, I think, uh, after free agency hit, and he spoke to uh, Peter King and Albert Breer and he used the team like, I've never had to come up with that much capital. Which is a tr- which is not a lie. It's 100% a fact. But it was like, he was hammering it home. Like, yeah, I'm not used to spending this much money on guys we don't know. That's not typically how we do business. He also mentioned that for years, we made fun of the people that made the headlines. And now it's us making headlines. The other comment that I saw him make this week was we missed to a certain extent in the draft. Basically saying our drafting lately has sucked. So he's come out on record saying I had to spend a boatload of money that I usually don't have to spend. Then this, you know, the reason I had to do that is because our drafting sucks. We still need to get another quote he had. We need to get our quarterback situation figured out. Here's what I know. I am as big of a Bill Belichick fan as you'll meet, as someone who's not some diehard Patriot guy. I could not respect him anymore. I believe to my core, in my lifetime, I, I can't speak to some of the coaches in the 50s, 60s, 70s, like Lombardi or whatever. In my lifetime, he is the greatest coach any sport I've ever seen. Phil Jackson's, Popovich's, I guess I, I didn't really see Walsh, but I would take Belichick over Walsh without hesitation. Uh, Parcells, Joe Torre, 
Got Bruce Bochy was a lead. He won three World Series. I take Belichick over every single one of them. But a couple things are not really arguable. For those of us that know some information, not the easiest guy to work with. And you know what? When you hear that term, I think it can be overrated. Not an easy guy to work with. Well, when you produce, you know what? No one cares. You know how much shit Jed York took in the Bay Area when he fired Jim Harbaugh because he quote-unquote wasn't easy to work with? No one cared. Why? Because Jim was winning. The thing is, though, once you start losing, like Harbaugh's not as cool anymore. People, many Michigan fans wanted him fired. He didn't have the resume of all the wins to fall back on. And it's like, God, this guy's kind of a weirdo. Let's get rid of him. The thing with Bill Belichick, for 20 years, his lowest moments were AFC championship losses, were Super Bowl losses. So it was like, yeah, everyone was pissed off Malcolm Butler didn't play, but he still lost in the Super Bowl. 20 other teams would, you know, give anything to be in that position. I mean, honestly, every team would give anything to be in that position, just in the Super Bowl. And he was there, it felt like, every year. Well, last year, once Brady left, it was like he didn't have a plan. And really, in a weird way, they kind of got lucky Cam was even around. Because they would have got with Stidham. They don't go 7-9 with Stidham, because Stidham can't run. They might win four or five games. Then this offseason, they don't really have any options either. So they have to bring back Cam. And then, like Kraft is saying, they've drafted so poorly, they had to spend all this money. I'm not saying I would fire Belichick. I'm not saying firing Belichick is the right move. If Belichick was ever fired, he would have half the teams in the league would fire their own coach to hire him. If I was Jerry Jones, I would tell Mike McCarthy to pack his shit so fast your head would spin and hire Belichick. But if you put yourself in Robert Kraft's shoes, you go, yeah, he's made a lot of money. I pay him a lot of money. We've won a lot together. But now Tom's gone, and then I had to witness, like, Tom Brady did not leave because, you know what, he was tired of the Crafts. No, we know why he left. Him and Belichick, their relationship had run its course. He was tired of Bill Belichick. And maybe Bill Belichick was tired of him. But 100%, Brady was ready for some freedom. And in comments we've seen since, clearly so was Gronkowski. Because he immediately followed Brady, went to Tampa. But it wasn't just they left. Then they won the Super Bowl. So Tom won it. And if you're crafts, you're like, God, I got to deal with this negative Nancy. Like, Belichick, let, let's face it, kind of a dick. <laughs> You know, I, and I don't blame Belichick. If I was Belichick, like, I'm not kissing Robert Kraft's ass either. I mean, I don't think he ever has. He, he, but he hasn't had to because he was so good. Well, the problem is when you can't act like that when you're winning seven games. I think there is legitimate pressure on Bill Belichick this year to make the playoffs. And I think their team's good. I think they probably will compete to get to the playoffs, especially if they land Jimmy Garoppolo. And can I have a two-quarterback system with Jimmy and Cam Newton? But what if they don't? What if the draft picks, for whatever reason, don't have a huge impact? If the first time in forever, all these high-priced guys, like, you start paying me $10, $15 million a year, and I'm from another place, like, I don't want to get yelled at every day. Belichick's big on, like, knowing the history of the Patriots. What if I'm, like, Matt Judon, and I don't care? Like, I don't, don't, why does it matter what you guys did in 2005? You should be able to pull that off. It's a lot harder now. What if it does not work, and they go 6-11? and you heard it here first. I don't think Bill Belichick's the coach in 2022 if that happens. If they make the playoffs, obviously nothing happens. But I do think there's some pressure on him. All you got to do is see Kraft's quotes. He's mad about how much money he spent. He's mad about how bad they drafted. It kind of reflects like, yeah, I, I like Tom more than Bill. <laughs> right? Why? Because Tom's nice to me. Bill is kind of difficult to deal with. 
Bills kind of can be a negative Nancy. That's kind of a shtick, which it works. I don't, I don't mind it. I can be one too. I'm, I would imagine most people listening can. But Bill is relentless with the negativity. Like, the New England Patriots is not a fun place to work. When I got fired by the Eagles, we our West Coast scout took over, came from the Patriots. Imagine leaving the Patriots and Bill Belichick for Chip Kelly and the Eagles. Everyone was jumping ship. People for the last decade have always tried to leave because it's not a fun place to work. It sucks because it's just him. He doesn't include anyone in anything, especially in the scouting department, but it speaks for coaches too. A lot of coaches have bounced. So I, I, I just wonder if this season they quote-unquote have a step back, it'd be an easy one. I don't know exactly how they do it, but just transition to Josh, who would I would imagine with, with Robert and definitely Jonathan be much easier to deal with on a daily basis than Bill. Because how are you going to slow Bill's ego down? I don't blame Bill for having the biggest ego in the league. He's got all the rings. He dominated the AFC. He literally bent over every team that mattered for two decades. We all witnessed it. But now he's going to start kicking, kissing Robert's ass? No, no chance. Guys at 68, you know, Leopard doesn't change his spots. Especially at that age. Especially with that much money. And I don't blame Robert. Like, you know, I'm 70-whatever. I got more money than God. Like, I, I, well, I don't want to be miserable with the guy that I employ. Most business owners, when they're as rich as that guy, don't employ guys that are mean to them, right? Or just that are just contentious. And that's just Bill's nature. He's a, he's a curmudgeon. Now, he's a great curmudgeon. He's a lead at his job. But I, I think there is some legitimate pressure this year on him. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly 
made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, to piggyback Kraft and to go with another owner, and the one thing I really appreciate about the Northeast is their owners, it's just very, I mean, that's where the Mars are from, it's where the Krafts are from, like, they're comfortable in their environment. And this is what I was talking about with Zach Wilson. Like, they don't sugarcoat shit out there. When they're mad at you, they tell you. When you want a new contract and they don't think you're worth it, they'll just say, we don't think you're worth it. We don't want to pay you. You need to play better. It's not how it works on the West Coast, even in the pros. Even Pete, you know, Pete's like, oh, everyone's great. Everyone's a starter. You know, the 49ers like, we're faithful, faithful, right? Mark Davis like, you know, they can do what John Gruden can do whatever you want. Stan Crockett, never heard him say anything. Bidwell, he wouldn't say anything. Northeast, man, these guys, these owners let it fly. And John Mara, who, let's face it, the Giants have kind of become a clown show, right? They hired McAdoo, who actually made the playoffs, but was clearly, it was, it was pretty, pretty embarrassing. Pat Shermer, unlike McAdoo, where we just made fun of McAdoo, Pat Shermer's not a head coach. He has no business being a head coach. Hiring to be a head coach is just a, is just beyond an awful hire. Now, Joe Judge, pretty impressive, right? It was hard to not like some of the things he had going on in New York. It just felt like a buttoned-up operation, and I gave them shit for him making the coaches run or whatever. Now, I think he kind of disputed the way that went down because I do think that type of stuff's stupid. This is not last chance you, you know, JC basketball. We don't need to run gassers because of effort. This is the National Football League. You you want to make you know what I what I like most about the National Football League, in my short experience, and I love when coaches do this. You know what happens when you screw up? They cut you. You know what happens when you're late? You get fined. That that that's how you impact individuals. I tell you to pack your locker. You're gone. Don't run three extra gassers. This is like you think 
Golden Tate running gasser is going to show him? No, you suspend him for a week. And I think they ended up doing that, so I respect that. Those are the type of coaches that I respect. You screw up, you're gone. Remember the dude from uh, the running back for Notre Dame? Had that sweet game on Monday night for Belichick. I forget his Jonas Gray, was that him? I don't want to screw up the name. That might be the wrong guy. Next week, he showed up late to like a meeting, and he was cut the next day. That's how you uh, create discipline in professional sports. It's money. But John Mara said something, and, and listen, Saquon Barkley tore his ACL last year. And he's going into his, what would now be his third season? His fourth season? I'm trying to even think of when Saquon was drafted. I guess it was, would be his fourth season. Wasn't he drafted in 17? Because Miles Sanders was, was his second year last year. So yeah, this is going to be Saquon Barkley's fourth year. So they're going to have to determine to pick up his fifth-year option. which So 2008... 2019, 2020, yeah, this is going to be his fourth season. I'm sure they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. But they asked John Mara if about a contract extension, and I loved his quote. I, certain, I certainly think we're not in any hurry to do that. That's not something a lot of owners would say, even if they're thinking it. But I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate the candid nature there. You know why? Signing him to a contract extension right now would be insane. Now, if you're Saquon Barkley, you wouldn't sign a contract extension right now. That would be nuts. Now, you could argue you wouldn't sign Saquon Barkley ever to a contract extension. You pick up his fifth-year option, and then you start franchising him. Because, as you just saw, he just disappeared for a year when he tore his ACL. That's a problem. But the Giants, like, there's going to be urgency in that building. One thing I think why they wanted to get Joe Judge... And I've read articles about this, and I wouldn't imagine any Giants fan, uh, I'm sure, has been inundated over the year with with stuff on Judge and articles about them and the culture. They wanted to get back to kind of the asshole head coach. They wanted to get back to Tom Coughlin. They wanted to get back to Bill Parcells. They would die to have Bill Belichick. That That's the vibe they want. And Joe does provide that. And sugarcoating stuff, like, everyone's good, we'll pay everyone. Like, some teams do that. I, I hate that. Because it's just so fake. It, it's not true. Like, Saquon, you were the number two overall pick in the draft. But if we're going to pay you, which I don't even think is good business at all, honestly, if he was good this year, I'd probably trade him. Right? To me, that's the move. If he has, like, 2,000 yards this year, I would trade him this offseason. But I, I appreciate John Mara going on record. And he basically said the last couple of years, we haven't won enough games. We, we've been terrible. We've been... I mean, they, they have. They sneaky have been... Before Judge got there, they became a laughing stock. McAdoo in the years of Shermer. And this is where the pressure comes on their quarterback. Like, it is a massive year for that player. If he has another year like he just has, like, there's no way around it. The guy's a bust. Now, that doesn't mean he won't play in the NFL. I think a lot of coaches liked him coming out and would immediately sign him as a backup. But Daniel Jones, his first couple years, has been not good enough. And simply kind of bad. Turns the ball over a ton. Misses layup throws. He obviously has talent, right? He's really athletic. He can make some throws. You're like, why don't you you do that all the time? Well, sometimes average players can't do that all the time. Like the reason Mitch Trubisky overthrows every other throw, because that's who Mitch Trubisky is a player, right? There's a reason Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, when they're on, don't miss throws because they're good. It's the difference between good, average, and below average players. And regardless what happens with Saquon, like I said, you, you can never extend Saquon Barkley. I don't care if he turns into Walter Payton. 
at most I'm franchising, I'm probably trading if I can get a first-round value and just move on because running backs are replaceable. But part of him coming back and having a lot to prove and signing Galladay and being in the position, there's immense pressure on the quarterback because if the quarterback isn't good, the Giants are going to have a new general manager, right? Gettleman will get fired. And then basically they're just letting Judge be the boss, which maybe deep down, if I truly knew what was going on, I bet Judge has a lot of pull now. But the moment Gettleman disappears, and he would if they miss the playoffs and Daniel Jones stinks, and even if Saquon is just okay this year, like that would be a disaster for him and it would be career over. But then like his Judge gets to pick the general manager, then the whole thing's off. That's why I didn't like keeping Gettleman to let him hire Judge, even if Judge turns out to be a good coach, because then you kind of get into no man's land. You like to have a coach and GM come in at the same time. But like with the Patriots, th- there is tangible pressure. People, I, I wouldn't say on eggshells, and the Patriots, they, they always are, even when they're winning with Bill. But I think Joe Judge and just the Giants is going to have that type of vibe this year, where it's like time to piss or get off the pot for Daniel Jones and just for the organization. Like, can you just get back to nine wins? Can you be respectable? Or are we going to complain about missing the playoffs and the Eagles benching all their players when we won six games or seven games or whatever the hell they won? Like, you don't get to complain when you're under 500. That's what losers do. Okay, let's bang out some Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff, thanks to some guys at Fox, now I have a little blue check mark next to my Instagram. Not that that really matters. It just allows me to do swipe ups, which is good for podcasts. But other than that, I don't think it changes anything. Okay, let's go Middlecoff mailbag. If discussed, I missed. What happens to players' contracts for those who opted out of the 2020 season? Were they paid? No. Contracts automatically extended another year? That's a really good question. So I just think the contract didn't count last year. I'd have to double-check if it just moves to the next year. The question I would have, if if that was the last year of your contract, you wouldn't just become a free agent. I don't know, but they 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 were not paid. They they did not get any money. If you opted out last last year, you were not paid. Got a question for the pot. Outside of Shanahan and Lynch visiting Alabama, what is fueling the Mac Jones to Niners hype? In my opinion, if Jones was their guy, they would have traded with the Eagles at six, who were obviously willing to play ball. There's no way you can convince me Mac Jones wouldn't have been there at six. Also, not sure if you have the insight, but how much of a role did Shanahan play in the selection of Robert Griffin III? Everyone keeps throwing around this Kirk Cousins love, but are we forgetting that selected that they selected RG3 number two overall and Kirk in the fourth round? Thanks in advance. Okay, I'm going to answer your second question. The owner wanted RG3. They did not want RG3. Mike and Kyle. They wanted Cousins. Now, not not obviously Cousins in the first round, but they would have rather taken another player and taken Cousins in the third or fourth round. Uh, so they did not want RG3. The hype is coming from Chris Sims, who was college or Kyle's roommate. Is really pushing it, and then everyone else is piggybacked. I am 100% with you. It would be one of the worst trades of all time, trading three ones. It's two ones, but also pick 12 when you could have just traded next year's one to get to six and get Mac Jones on draft night. I, I I despise that move if they take Mac Jones. And I can't see it happening. I was texting with someone actually between segments when I was recording this 
about like it's pretty crazy that Mahomes and Watson went ten and twelve, and I do think that changed the game a little bit. And then even Josh Allen the co- next year goes seven. Like these teams realize is like we're, we ain't waiting till seven six. Now it's for freak talents, right? Fields, Lance, even Zach Wilson, but not Mac Jones. No chance. Should the Dolphins take Chase or Pitts at number six, assuming both are available? This is going to sound crazy, but the way you win championships is by offensive and defensive lines, right? They have another pick, their own pick. I think is 18. Is 18 or 19? Uh, to me, you take the best offensive lineman. You would take a tackle, and then you would take one of the wide receivers at 18. I might do a weekend pod about draft values. You just, if one of the top offensive linemen are there, and they will be if four quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, even if the Bengals take an offensive lineman, you could take one too. So I, I would take an offensive lineman and then double down at like Waddle or one of the sweet wide receivers later on in the first round. The, the Dolphins have multiple first round picks. That would be my take. Since the Niners traded up to number three, the Mac Jones rumors have been running rampant. Before that, Mac Jones was maybe a late first-round pick from what I had seen. If the Eagles were willing to move down to 12 in the trade with the Dolphins, so basically the same thing, I'm with you. It would be, for those of you that are new to this podcast, one thing I've been hammering home for years, the draft isn't just necessarily about buying players. It's about buying them at the right value. You don't want to buy a $100,000 house for $300,000, right? You, but you do want to buy a million-dollar home for $675,000. That's what the draft is. It's finding the player you want and knowing what pick you have to get to to get them, and whether that's moving up or moving down for the right value. Drafting Mac Jones at three would be insanity. Now, as people have told me in the league, like, it's, either, it's black and white with quarterback, right? He's either a good, when you're drafting him in the first round, he either turns into a high-end starter or he's a backup. So you either hit or miss. There is no, like, middle ground. Like, oh, you know, this guy's okay. He's a good role player for us. No, he's either a starter or he's going to be your backup. So if, if Kyle truly does believe this, which I think would be insanity, and I, I, I've been told by people in the know that he doesn't, that he likes some of the other guys more, but I, I don't know that for sure. What's up, Middlecoff? Got a question for the pod. I feel like the NFL is missing out on making extra profit growing the game while paying more attention to player safety. To me, it would be more make complete sense to not just add the 17th game, but also add an additional bye week. Obviously, it wouldn't work this year with Corona, but going forward, I think the additional the addition of a game, it would be smart to have each team play an international game annually bookended by bye weeks. Because... Of the two bye weeks, teams wouldn't have to worry about a travel disadvantage after an international game, and their players would have additional time to heal up on the finish line and season strong, and finish the season strong. In this situation, every team would have a three-week span where they only play twice, but I don't think that's a huge deal. What are your thoughts? I'm with you. Uh, I, I would love to get someone from the league office. I think that would be a cool podcast. Just someone from the league office and give me their takes. I don't think they would do that. It doesn't feel like they ever talk, but I, I would love to talk to them. I need to do ask some of my GM friends who would be a good interview from the league office. That's something I'm going to write down right now. Who would be a good interview 
league office. You know why Bill Belichick hates the league office? Because he goes, people like me, I'm, I'm, I'm talking as I'm Bill Belichick, run these teams, right? Sign players, schedule off seasons, schedule training camp, know what the season is. Yet the people in the league office dictate all the rules. None of them have ever worked for a team. None of them have any clue what's going on. You see this sometimes in college sports. When the AD is dictating to the football coach, and the AD is like was like a swimmer. It's like, you don't know what the fuck we're going through. You don't know what it takes. All you're consumed with is money, which that is the goal of the league office. The problem is with football, it's not basketball or baseball. It, it has, it's so specific with you need time to implement a game plan, you need time to watch film, you need time to recover. In the NBA, you can play four games in five nights. In baseball, I mean, you have a month stretch where you play 28 games. In football, you can only play once a week. There aren't two times a week. That doesn't work that way. So I I hear you. I hear you. Why do you think the owners and the competition committee are so against the sky judge concept? It has been proven over and over that the TV reviews are so much more accurate than a field ref in real time. They keep trying to tweak the rules, but they always fall short of the accuracy a ref with a video replay has, and I believe there's definitely a simple way to inject this without affecting the game flow. Is it just old school mentality? By avoiding this route, they continue to leave game results to human error, and that could easily be fixed with someone keeping an eye on the TV replay. If their goal is to truly get it right, they seem to be ignoring the best way to do that. That's a good question, Josh. My overall take would be, deep down, honestly deep down, they don't care about getting it right. They care about being entertaining. And if there is controversy, that's good for the league. It just is. Now, if we're betting on the game, or you're a fan of the team of the game, and your team loses by human error, it sucks. But do you know what happens? They play again the next week. And do you know what happens? We talk about it all week. Like They kind of like that. They're in the entertainment business. Now, they're going to get to a slippery slope with gambling, but I I don't really know what's going to change much. Maybe a little bit. I I think game flow is a big deal. But I I, I don't think they care. You know the thing about the league office and the competition? I guess the competition committee would care, but the league office, they don't have a dog in the fight. Their dog in the fight is the league making $113 billion and the TV networks wanting it. That's all they care about. They don't care if the Bengals win, if the Patriots win, if the Seattle wins. Now, they want, obviously, the big brands to win. The Steelers, the Packers, the Niners, right? They'd like the LA teams to be good. they like the New York teams to be good. they like the Cowboys to be... They just want those teams to be relevant because it helps more people watch because their fan bases are bigger. But individual games, they, they, they don't care. I am an NFL fan in Australia and am looking to start a weekly NFL podcast for the upcoming season. I'm trying to come up with a plan and learn more how to produce it. Do you need to approach the NFL for approval in any way? And does it cost money for copyright or anything like that as I only want to do it as an amateur? I would say I've never asked anyone for uh, from the NFL for approval. Right, you can talk about whatever you want. Now, if you were to run like radio calls, maybe you would. I clearly don't. 
or copyright, no. Any there, there aren't really costs, right? I mean, you can. I just record this into GarageBand. Uh, I have a producer, Mike, who goes through it and can edit some of the stuff out. But ultimately, it's pretty cost efficient. So I, I would say the best part about the podcast business as someone who came from radio, it's really cheap to produce a podcast. Now, getting people to listen and making money off that podcast is a whole nother thing. But just to start a podcast, the, the point of entry is very, very cheap. With an aging offensive line in Dallas, would it be enough draft capital to trade this year's number 10 pick and the second round pick and next year's first round pick to Cincinnati for number five? Since he has a lot of needs and would benefit from more picks with the young quarterback, also this ensures the Cowboys likely get Sewell or Slater to ankle the tackle for the next five years and protect Dak. So basically trading your one this year, which you would take in a tackle without hesitation at 10, your second, basically trade a second and an extra one to get Sewell. I don't love that. I, I, I would like to just, could I trade up a couple spots and get one of the other tackles and just give my second and keep my one next year? That seems a little expensive, but I hear you. Like they, their offensive line is definitely aging. I've been interested in your take on Belichick, on Belichick that Kraft might get impatient in the next two years and they keep losing. Luckily, I talked about that earlier on the pod. I'm a Rams fan myself and wonder how much time McVay has bought himself. I love the idea of him being the coach for the next 30 years, but let's say we're competitive with Stafford but don't get the Super Bowl. Then we struggle to make the playoffs the two years after that. Are we past the time of coaching sticking around for rebuilds when they start losing? I'd treat McVay like the Steelers treat their guys. Thanks. I agree. I mean, I don't know. How could you upgrade your coach? McVay would have people lined up to sign him. Monday Night Football would offer him $12 million a year. I think countless teams would offer him $12 million a year. I think it would be crazy how many people would offer him huge money. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's safe. I, I, think he's, I think he has a lot of job security. Panthers fan here. Love the show. What is your opinion on the Panthers and free agency so far? Minus not making a move at quarterback. Hassan Reddick looks like a solid linebacker pickup to pair with Jeremy Chin and Shaq Thompson. And also Denzel Perryman. Yeah, I mean, their defense should be a lot better. They definitely have acquired some talent. Uh, to me, Reddick has always kind of been an underachiever. I, I, I've never been the biggest Hassan Reddick fan. Uh, I know everyone that I know loved Chin coming out in the draft with various teams. Like, they thought that guy was going to be good. Uh, Shaq Thompson, solid. Uh, Perryman, it feels like he gets hurt a lot but always liked him whenever he was healthy. They, their success is really just going to be like, who's, who's playing quarterback for them? Do they have, do they trade up to get one of these rookies? Do they, I, what do they do? That, that to me would be my question. That, that's, that's really all that matters. Do they land either one of these rookies? Do they pull a trade, even if it's like for Jimmy Garoppolo? But they, they got to do something. Because Teddy Bridgewater, great guy, super high character, unreal backup, not a good full-time starter. Perryman, yeah, I guess he got hurt in 17, 18. He's a solid guy, I guess. Other than that, appreciate everyone. Middlecoff Mailbag, keep firing in. Leave your questions. Uh, you know, leave any review, Apple iTunes. See you guys later. Peace. <laughs>
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.